<coughs> oh, tasty. Yeah. Now, is this all going in the front of the show, too, or? No. Oh, I figured as much. No. This is the front of the show right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 170 of Long Box Heroes. Uh, after Dark, uh, colon, soon-to-be-named Network Club Thing, episode two of that. Yes. Rolls, Rolls right off, off the, tongue. the tongue. Yes. Where this week, we're going to be discussing my choice uh, for a pick, but before we get to that, I do just want to mention... Uh, I did tell Todd before we started, I got sick this week. Um, both April and Asa went through the cycle twice of being sick mm-hmm. here, and then I missed it the first time. I was almost, I don't want to say that I was bragging, but I was like, Haha, I missed it the, th- the second time too. And then I'm at work on Thursday, and I'm just like, like a tickle in my throat. I, don't, I feel a little. <laughs> I feel a little off, you know. And then by the end of the day at work, I could. I couldn't even talk, you know. I. I could barely move. I get home. I'm sitting at the the, the kitchen ta- or the the dining room table. I'm like I have a blanket on. I'm shivering. I can't stay cold. I, I can't stay hot. I can't stay cold. I'm schnotting all over the place. And I slept for like 20 hours on Friday. Slept half the day on Saturday, then I got up at like 4 o'clock on Saturday, and I felt fine. I still have a little bit of a remnant of it, you know, like mm-hmm. I've still got a little bit of schnot and a little bit in my voice. And it's it's uh, it's not like I have a shoot job where I talk all day. This <laughs> podcast where I'm going to have to talk, you're going to have to do all the heavy lifting here, Todd. And I have Root Beer Wrestling this, this Friday, the day that this drops. Oh my God, Joe! You you are on a roller coaster, boy. Right. This is the uh, my return after a couple month absence uh, to Rupia Wrestling. I haven't just been able to line up the schedule with work and everything, but it looks like at the very least until May I'll be able to uh, hit every show. I only say that because I know all the dates up to May. So. Oh, you'll have to you'll have to stooge them off to me so I could so we could set our schedules up. Well, I got listen. Well, they've been. I don't they, no, they've announced it, so I can. So they have uh, the t- uh, Friday show. Today's show is uh, Tennille Dashwood is the big star, formerly Emma of the World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, their show in two weeks uh, has Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Is he going to have his dragon with him? No, no, he's not. I think that was a prop owned by the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment and Titan Sports. Oh, I hope he's still alive. Ricky Steamboat? Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, I meant the dragon. Oh, the dragon. Um, and then they have a show in uh, two weeks after that on the 23rd of March. And then they have a show in April where The Godfather is going to be on. Oh, uh, Marlon Brando? No, no. Remember uh, from the World Wrestling Entertainments, uh, he did the Ho Train? I remember him. He was also. I preferred him when he was in Right to Censor. Oh, I thought you were going to say you preferred him when he was Papa Shango. Was he Shango Man? Yeah, Shango Man. He was <laughs> Papa Shango. That's right. That's not true. Okay. All right. And then May is their big like two day tournament thing, and it's going to be a very busy weekend. But yes, AIW. I'm back in AIW, uh, and like I should have prepped you for this portion. But like we did last time, I'm going to have you introduce the film, 
And then I have something that I have, we need to speak about before we actually discuss the film. Go ahead. Okay, the film, the film Joe chose right. was Body Slam. Um, a 1986 or 87 movie, according to Joe, about a, a, a kind of sleazy, uh, manager, well, used to be a rocker who's now a manager for music, gets connived into this thing where he has to manage wrestlers and a rock band and bring it all together. And, uh, it's, I found out it was directed by the guy who did Smokey and the Bandit in the Cannonball Run movies. Right. Hal Needham. Hal Needham. Who needs them? We need them. Um, so I was shocked by that as I was watching it. But uh, that's pretty much what the film is. Is that is that is that a good uh, just quick description? Sure. So um, this movie is difficult to come by, as a, as I'm sure you may be aware. Yes. So um, my personal copy that I have, which is a little bit more pristine, cleaned-up version. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as I'm watching it on the weekend, around the hour seven mark, Mm -hmm. it just craps out. It just won't play anymore. I'm like, no matter what media player I try... Now, this is already after. I downloaded it, or I downloaded it. I have it as an MKV file, which is a file that exists. And I have given Todd stuff before... As an MKV file, and when he was saying, I don't know what this file is, I've never heard of it, I think it was less that and more that it was a bad file. Okay. So I send it to Todd, or I give it to Todd on a flash drive, it, he, he can't get it to play. Little do I know it's because the file itself is corrupted. Right, I still think it's a communist file called MKV. Sounds communist. So then I take that same file, corrupted, and I reformat it to, <laughs> to an MP4, And I upload it to Todd through, like, a little shared thing that we have. And then that's when I realized what I uploaded to him. It's going to crap out about an hour seven. And I want to make sure that Todd gets the full experience of this film, right? Thank God. I don't want him to be robbed uh, of this experience of this film. So then I go and I find, uh, legally, I assure you, another (laughs) version of the film, which is of slightly less quality... But, no, there's <laughs> you, any quality in question with this movie? I don't believe it. Go ahead. Right. The, so um, through that, I, I I make sure that it plays all the way through. <laughs> I resend it to Todd through our little service that we have, and through, uh, through our transporters. Right through our transporters. Sure, sure. And. Uh, then I'm contacted by several people, one of whom, uh, everybody wants to watch the movie along with us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people were able to find it uh, themselves. Other people need a little bit of an assistance. So some folks I gave some assistance to. And one of them was like, oh, since other people are asking for it, I'm going to upload it to a private link in YouTube, just in case. Mm-hmm. It gets pulled off YouTube in 15 minutes. What? It's a private link. You ever you, you ever have a thing where like someone's like, "Oh man, here's this secret thing that I only give to whatever," and how like you ever get like a YouTube video where it has like a little lock next to it? No, not really. Okay. Go ahead. So maybe other people do. 
Uh, so this person was going to upload this so other people could enjoy the film with us. And uh, YouTube, I guess, Body Slam is a highly sought-after film. Okay. Everyone wants a piece of it, and nobody wants anyone else to have it. Mm-hmm. So I hope this movie was worth it for all the trouble that we've all gone through to watch it. Todd, let's oh. talk about the movie. Okay. Um, I'm just going to start out with uh, Dirk Benedict, or Ben, however you say his name. M. M. Harry Smilak. M. Harry Smilak, um, who by far has to, I have to say, um, whatever I thought about this movie will go on. Probably the greatest role of his life, because I I totally believe that he was a dirtbag through most of this movie. The fact that he had all these, like, ill-fitting, wrinkled suits in every scene was fantastic. And I like the fact that he always had a card in his pocket. And he was just like, he would bring it out. And I have to say, like, like, all the little skeezy, like, tricks that he's pulling throughout the movie are absolutely fantastic. And I have to give it, I'm not, I would say this beats out Starbuck and Faceman as his, as his best role. So I'll say that right out of the gate. But, so do we want to go through the movie or how do we want to do this? Well, okay. Um, Well, you go through and I'll chime in when I have to chime in. All right. So right off the bat, the movie starts with some great 1980s graphics with like the the words are the, the word body slam is actually a body slam somehow in cheesy 1980s graphics, right? So we see that Smilak is in his Ferrari, Joe. He's got Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari, and he's driving through town, through California, blah, blah, blah. And then he sees this girl. This is one of my favorite things, sitting on a sitting on a, on a wall somewhere, and she's in a bikini, and he pulls up, and he starts doing all the skeezy things, like, hey, I'm in a Ferrari. Hey, let me fake talk on my car phone. Joe, 1980s, man. Car phones are big. Right. They're big. And she's all like, oh, and starts walking towards the car. And then he's like, oh, let me open up the passenger door. And then this big, roided-up monster comes walking out. And he puts his arm around her and walks off. And I was like, yep, whoever wrote this movie must like really like wrestling because uh, Ferrari with a car phone in 1980 gets trumped by roided-up monster. So... <laughs> I found that to be funny. So he drives off. Well, I, again, dri- I want I want to remark a totally and wholly original trope that had never been in any movie prior and has never <laughs> been in a movie since. That's right. That's right. So he's going to see someone. We'll get to it in a minute. And he gets, you know, he gets there and he has the valet parking. He gives him the keys and he drives off. And that's when we find out that. It's you know who it is, Joe. Who was who was who the valet guy was? Who? He was the Repo Man. Oh, <laughs> he, now you think that's where the Repo Man origin came from? This film? I do. Right there, I was like, oh my god! And he will make a couple of appearances throughout this movie. So <laughs> I was I was happy with that. But then he's he's got a whole bunch of problems, and he's going to see his lawyer. And you know who his 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 lawyer is, uh, Joe? Who is his lawyer, Todd? Brock Meister. (laughs) All right. All right. He goes to see Sheldon Brock Meister. And 
And as this at, at this point, I, he, before we even get into what he's doing there, I find out that somebody gave whoever wrote this movie a wonderful telephone book because he just went through it and threw darts at names like Harry Smilak, M. Sheldon, Harry Smilak, M. 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 Harry Smilak. I'm sorry. I'll show some fucking respect. Right, right. Um, and we have Sheldon Brockmeister. Um, we have Bitsy Vanderhagen, Norton Wilshire, all these great names. There's a ton of great names in this movie. But he goes to see him. He's got problems. And he ends up telling him, you know, well, if you work for me and you and you work for this uh, this party planning for Norton Wilshire, who's a senator or a congressman or whatever, I don't know. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll figure my way out of this jam on my own. So he has, he goes, while he may be a sleazebag, this M. Harry Smilak, he's mm-hmm. got, uh, scruples a, and morals. No, wait, I wouldn't say that. I'd say he has a scruple. Okay. He doesn't have scruples or morals. He has a moral and a scruple. And that's the line, right? Right. It's this governor guy. Whatever this governor guy's problem is. Right. He's we like, don't like everyone, him. Yeah, everybody's like, he's a wet noodle kind of a thing. So he sure. leaves, and he needs another vehicle. So he goes and he scams Scotty English, Joe. Another great name. John Aston in the in his one scene in the movie, they had him for one day. You Exactly. They touched on the one thing. I'm like, I love John Aston. He was, uh, he was Buddy in Night Court. Right, he was Gomez Adams. He was, he was Gomez. Yes, he was the second Riddler on Batman. Now, and the other thing, uh, I think, and I could be mistaken, I think John Aston is still alive. I think he is too. You yep, can, you can, still alive. Still alive. So I'm like, oh, John Aston in this movie, we're going to get, I'm going to get so much more John Aston in this. That's, other than him screwing him out by saying he's got supermodels and Bruce Springsteen tickets, turns out to be like to some... It, oh. it was a, it was Jewish yodeling. That's what it was. I was like, fantastic. And right? Todd, I just want to let you know, I have no notes on this. This is all from memory. Uh, uh, well, I was taking notes with a, a fancy pen, right? Oh, so he's, I hope you yes. got that for Christmas. Yeah, no, this was a, this was one of my grandmother's good pens, the last of the good pens. But I'm saving yours for a special occasion. Um, so he decides he he, he scams a car off him, um, and, and I forget maybe it was a not a Rolls Royce, it was something expensive. But uh, he takes it back and he he gets a girl along the way and he takes he's taking her back to his apartment or house on the beach or whatever, and that's when Mister Kim shows up. Oh, Mr. Kim from the Korean Collection Agency. No, Joe, the (laughs) Korean Correction Agency. Oh, Todd. Oh, my God. At least there was no, um, you know, racial uh, uh, terrible things in this because my favorite is, and Mr. Kim will return. And you know how I know whenever he's going to show up? How's that, Todd? (laughs) <laughs> There's a giant gong that goes off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. And uh M and I got it right. M. Harry Smilak is confusing all the like he's like, Oh, you you know, go back to Japan and he's like, I'm from Korea, it's different. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, just racial sensitivity there. So he's got he he needs he wants money, but apparently 
he, uh, uh, M. Harry Smilak won a case against him, and he's like, it's legal, but he still wants his money. So he has two giant dudes who wreck the car. They rip the door off. Apparently, they're strong enough to tear a car apart with their bare hands. Now, I do want to just say this. Those two gentlemen who are uh, Mr. Kim's assistants mm-hmm. uh, are the Wild Samoans, uh, former World Wrestling Entertainment Tag Team uh, champions. But also, they are the linchpins to the Samoan wrestling dynasty legacy, etc. Afa and Sika. Sika, mm-hmm. most currently and notably, his son is the Roman Reigns. Oh my god, so this is the movie that got him to push? I would say you could tie uh, people's love and or hate to Roman Reigns to this movie, yes. This movie is like the, Ke- the Kevin Bacon of wrestling. Yes. It's six, it's six degrees to body slam. Well, absolutely. So now he, he needs, he needs the money really bad because he's got all this stuff. So he decides to take the gig, uh, that, that his, uh, his lawyer, uh, Brock Meister sent him for. So he goes and he's going to go, he's going to go like talk to this guy. And along the way, he's late and he meets this little girl named Missy whose uncle is there. And then he's like, Oh, well, I'm late for the meeting. So I got to wait. And here's some negotiations. So he busts in figuring that this guy's a musician and he's going to, he's going to, you know, do his, be his manager. And he goes in, he gets some like, you know, he gets some dressing room and he gets some like perks and parts, part of the merch. And I bet part of the merch in the eighties was big Joe. It so, was. So he's like, Oh, okay. So he, 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 he goes outside and he's like, oh, like, what were you, like, you know, I, uh, you know, what are you, uh, heavy metal, blah, blah, blah. You're and not like, new no, wave, are you? Not new. He doesn't do new wave. Oh, my God, Joe, you really do know this movie. Todd, I've seen, go ahead. I've seen this movie <laughs> dozens of times. Right. So now. But I haven't seen out- The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen Body Slam one billion times. I've seen Body Slam at least Ten times, I'd say. At le- like, from beginning to end, at least ten times. All right. Uh, so, he's, and, so now the, the, the person that we're finding out he is, he's Quick Rick Roberts, who is played by a, a wrestler I know. A very, oh, you know a wrestler? Yes, this is Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is probably the most subdued I've ever seen him in anything. <laughs> Maybe he's slightly more subdued in uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" when he's like the mumble, like the mumbling wrestler, right? With the, with the chest, the with the bucket of chestnuts in his car. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So he's signing autographs that are that are tickets for <laughs> parking tickets in the car. He's autographing them. But so like that, and he's way like as I'm watching this, I'm like, was there any coke on this budget? Um, but so we find out that he he's he's replaced his manager and his manager is in a epic role by Captain Lou Albano stretching his apt- acting chops Joe he is wrestling manager Captain Lou Morano right so right off the bat I'm I'm laughing my balls off at the fact that he's Captain Lou Morano right and he's got some guy in a tracksuit Who's his bodyguard or a wrestler? I I don't know. I don't think he appears in. Is he is he one of the the cannibals that we meet no. later, or no. is he somebody different? Okay, th- this guy here is someone different. 
Okay. So, but the, but the best part about it is he, you know, cause it's one of those, uh, Smilak pulls out a card and hands it to him and this guy grabs it and eats it. And in probably the, cause this movie's full of great acting, Joe. He does this thing where he fake eats the card and swallows it, where it's probably, I, I was like, oh my God, he, did he really swallow that card? Because movie magic is making me believe it. It's, it's so bad. It, it's, it's so bad. So like, as this goes on, I, now I find out in my notes, this is where he finds out that it's actually wrestling. And one of the great musical cues comes on is Beethoven's fifth. And like a really shitty version of it. it's like, don't, 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 don't. I'm like, not wrestling, not wrestling. So now he's got to go to the house of, uh, Va- Vanderhagen, who he goes and he's like, he's, he's immediately shilling, like, I got ideas and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And everybody can kind of tell that he's, he's a bit skeezy, but now he sees Tanya Roberts from Beastmaster, Joe, one of my favorite roles that she was ever in. I think it's Beastmaster, that 70s show, and this is her entire career. Um, so she, you find out that she's the daughter of the woman who's promoting uh, the Wilshire, uh, N- Norton Wilshire. Um, and her name is Candace Vanderhagen. Vanderhagen? Vander, yeah. Vanderhagen. Vanderhagen. Yes. Vanderhagen. So I got my notes bad here. Maybe I need a better pen. Um, so, you know, the, he, he's putting the, the moves on her. He's doing all the sleazy, doing all the sleazy, like, oh, like, you know, when I met Christy Brinkley, you know, she didn't look as good as you. And it's, you know, and I'm buying it. My, Joe, my pants flew right off. Right. Of course. <laughs> right. So how she didn't fall it, fall for it. I don't know. So like, that's all. That's the, that's the love angle of the movie is him and, and her. So now we, we cut to a gym where, uh, quick Rick is going to show, uh, M. Harry Smilak, his partner, who is, who's apparently a big fan of toy trucks and earth moving machines because he's Tonka Tom. No, no, no. He's How dare to- you? He's not Tonka Tom. He's Tonga Tom. Mm hmm. And, uh, he is played by, uh, what's his, uh, and again, he, it, it's, his name's Sam Fatu, one of the many Samoans. I'm sure he's related to one of the two that were in previously, uh, with Mr. Kim. Uh, he was the Tonga kid. He was also Tama in the world of professional wrestling. And as we will see later on in the movie, I definitely think that this role was originally supposed to go to Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Right. Especially, like, there's many scenes later of Tonga Tom doing, like, the Superfly splash off the top rope. Mm-hmm. And I think they realized that Jimmy Superfly Snooka in 1986 uh, might not have been the best choice to be co-lead in a movie. What? Call Did he have crazy. some sort of troubles? Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Snooka's always in a little bit of trouble. But yeah. I think it was just, like, the idea was going to be Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snooka, who were rivals... We can't get Jimmy Snooka for whatever reasons, <laughs> so let's just get another guy who actually was one of many people that WWE tried to pass off as a fake Jimmy Snooka when Jimmy Snooka was having his problems. The original one was this guy called C.V. Offy, right? Mm-hmm. So after Snooka leaves WWF, there's one of my favorite stories to tell. I've probably told on here a million times, but I don't care. 
<laughs> his debut night, Madison Square Garden. It's against <laughs> Roddy Piper. Told me this at the comic shop. Go ahead. Okay. Nobody really had music back then except for like the Hulkster, and that was maybe about it, right? <laughs> so the announcers of the ring coming down the aisle, weighing in at X amount of pounds from the Fiji Islands. Crowd starts to rumble. Superfly crowd, Seethy Offy! And the crowd just shits all over him. <laughs> and then I think they might have even called like, uh, Tong Kid when he first came in, like for like literally like one week. His name might have been like Superfly Samu or something. Right. Right. So he was one of many fake superflies that the WWE re- tried, WWF tried to recreate the magic of the Piper feud with. Right. So while he's there, he finds out he, uh, Axe and Hammer, the cannibals, come to mess with, uh, M. Harry Smilak because he, you know, he's getting in on, uh, Captain Lou's, you know, business and he's their manager and they start messing with them. And I'll tell you, boy, I don't know which one it was, but it's the one with the, uh, Mohawk. Is that Hammer? Um, that was, uh, yeah, well, they both had, like, uh, how can I say this? There was one that was, like, whiter looking, mm-hmm. and then there's another one that was, like, more dark-skinned looking. I'm going to say it's the more whiter one with giant white eyes. The okay, whole so that was uh, <laughs> ha- that was Hammer, right. a.k.a. Tijo Khan, mm-hmm. uh, Tij- the great Tijo Khan. Uh, the other one was the barba- wrestled as the Barbarian. Still wrestles today and is also part of the Samoan wrestling family. Oh my goodness. So that starts the little bit of feud between, um, you know, uh, M. Harry Smilak and more with them and, uh, he, you know, how he's trying to add more people to his, to his repertoire and they, they're like, no, this is, this is different. This is change in wrestling and we don't like that. So. So at this point, he gets his car back from the repo, man. He gets that back, so that's good. The repo, man. And he goes to see Rick and Tom wrestle as the the tag team, and we get to see some some real wrestling. And I want to discuss the wrestling here, because when we get to the end and they have the match, I'm not even going to – I was going to break down technically the match at the end. Oh, okay. You were going to, like, rate it on work rate? You know, give it – Yeah, I was going to give it my – I was going to give it my uh, stars rating. Oh, okay. But uh, special thing that nobody else does, by the way. Um, But – I've never seen people who actually wrestle wrestle re- like like it looks fake. Like at, at some of this stuff, I'm like, I get it, you got to do it over and over again. But I figured, I don't know, like maybe you, I, I don't know, you could have d- done it a little better. But it makes me makes me laugh. So so now they uh, they're backstage after the match and they're like, oh, we did really well, and you got to give us a push. So we have to go on on Carson, not Johnny Carson, Joe. Vic Carson, who's the host of Ring Talk. Now, this is where the movie loses all believability to me, Joe. What do you mean? Up to this point, I was all in and I was invested. But right here, when when uh, Quick Rick says that Ring Talk is the number one talk show in the United States of America. Okay. I'm like, I think he's fudging those numbers. Even in this fictional universe. Where they just mentioned Johnny Carson, I think the Tonight Show would be slightly bigger than Ring Talk. 
but the wrestler might have been lying to uh, M. Harry Smilak to get him to do it because he likes, uh, you know, promotion stuff. He likes making money, as they say. Right. So the the Ring Talk is hosted by Vic Carson, who's played by Charles Full Nelson Riley. Oh my goodness. That's a great, nobody's probably ever done that joke. And once again, we get another great name. Well, it's the, the show's going to be managers over, over time, different managers. So it, uh, they also have Captain Lou Milano, not Albino or Albino, Al, uh, you know what I mean? Um, and also they have Tim McCluskey, which is another great name, but it's Billy Barty as the thing and the short gags through this thing like when the curtain opens and he's not there <laughs> and they have to pan down i'm like this is probably terrible but i am laughing and billy barty's playing it up and there's like a whole musical chairs routine and it's almost a three stooges bit at at, at one point now before um, you continue yes i have what? to say this right this specifically mm-hmm um, a little bit more in the previous scene where we see the wrestling and then we're getting like the crowd reactions mm-hmm. from this moment on being someone who knows this movie, like the plot of this movie, the intricate plot of the movie, the, uh, the, the fantastic dialogue that no- now <laughs> I would say that 85 to 95% of this movie, the dialogue is done ADR. Uh, that uh, additional dialogue recording where it was filmed and edited in later. Right. The first half of the movie, anytime two people are talking, they're in a two shot where the person who is speaking, we're seeing the back of their head while the mm-hmm. person is reacting to what they're saying. So we can essentially put whatever words we want in their mouth later. Mm-hmm. So much of the movie is shot in this fashion. Such lazy filmmaking, but I loved it. But where I'm going with this is, knowing this movie as much as I did, I, as I do, I could start letting myself go a little bit from the plot mm-hmm. and really laser focus on the crowd shots. Mm-hmm. The crowd shots in this movie, Todd, are some of the most fascinating collection of extras you will ever see in the history of film. No hyperbole whatsoever. If you can, find just this scene mm-hmm. uh, of ring talk, and they do the pan shot of the crowd. It's, There's nuns. It's literally There's... only 20 people, but mm-hmm. it is the most fascinating 20 people you will ever see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they have, like, nuns, like a biker gang. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, Right? so, yes. So this is going on. And there's really not much to talk about this scene other than McCluskey calling M. Night Night Smilak. M. Night smilak sure. (laughs) Right. An English cigarette. (laughs) Oh, boy. Because I'm pretty sure that's what he meant, right? Well, I think he meant to call him Bob Saget, but mispronounced it. (laughs) Yes, because I'm watching this movie, and he's like, we don't need your kind around here. And he just... Wait, 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 wait. Because Captain Lou is upset, you know, just this is continuing the thing where, you know, um, Captain... This is like, um, kind of... 
a little bit of parallels to what was actually going on in the world of wrestling around this time, because people most notably like Jesse Ventura and a few other people that were doing the movies were getting Hollywood agents for their movies and then bringing Hollywood agents in to negotiate the wrestling contracts. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, like, that's where the main plot of this came from, where you do your own business in the world of wrestling, you don't bring in outside people to negotiate your stuff for you. And mm-hmm. Captain Lou is like, you know, that's why he doesn't like Harry Smilek, because he's not from wrestling, he's from the outside world. Right, which I totally got. I got that. And that, and Captain Lou, and that's where Captain Lou is, like, that's where his real beef with M. Harry Smilak is, and as you mentioned, he says, that's why we don't need people like you in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. And Billy Barty just drops it. <laughs> like, he just, boom. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> like, now again, Todd, this, this was a nice. PG movie mm-hmm. in 1986. It was a different time. You can't judge. And the little person who was sitting front row in the crowd immediately had a sign that said that word on it as well. Oh, Just in guess. case you didn't get it when Billy Barty says it. Right. You stole my thunder because oh. I'm like, not only does it say it once, oh. he drops another one. <laughs> and then as they cut out to the crowd, somebody's like doing the, the shaking of the fan sign. And I'm like, oh, my God. Because I wasn't 100% sure he said what he said. Right. In that gravelly Billy Barty voice. And then he said it again. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he called him an English cigarette. Look it up, people. And then it was like, hey, that guy's holding a sign that says English cigarette on it. So, um, which, by the way, once happened to me when I uh, had a smoke with Steve Dillon once. There's a he had to explain to me that's what they call English cigarettes. So I was like, that's I was like, that's that's just an amazing thing. And then uh, M. Harry Smilak gets thrown out of the the fake ring, um, and he gets hurt. Which apparently everybody in this has Wolverine's healing factor, right? Like because they're all beat up, and then the next scene. They're all, they're all, they're all good. So well, no, he was selling a little bit. He had the neck brace on. Yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, that's we'll get we'll, we'll move we get on that. So now we're back to we're at Bitsy's house, Vanderwegen again, and and who else is there but Brock Meister, and and he's just still shilling like like uh, M M Harry Smilax there, and he's like, yeah, we got names. We're gonna have like Frank. And Barbara, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, and they're writing the names down like Sinatra, in case you don't know who Frank is, who, who they're implying, and Julio, and like, and I'm like, alright, that's pretty funny, and I thought at that point that he was going to have bands with people with that name, but none of them were going to be the ones that they thought, but, uh, so, but that, that changes, so he takes, uh, Tanya Roberts, uh, he meets her there again. Now he's got the neck brace on and he's hurt. And he takes her for a drive, you know, in her Rolls Royce, who's that's got a beautiful trunk and a beautiful body. There's a lot of innuendos while they're talking. Um, so I find that th- great writing at this point. Um, so he takes her, he takes her in the Rolls Royce to a, a car hop drive-in, which is fantastic. Um, and then it's at this point where I realize that all the money um, in this movie was probably put into like the three cars they had in this movie, <laughs> like the Ferrari, the Rolls Royce and Captain Lou Milano's car. You're right. He has a Rolls Royce as well. 
Right. Now, I do just... I, now, I want to say this. I think these were all kit cars. No, I don't these think were these were cars. shoot uh, the cars that they were purporting to be. No, stop it. Right. These were real kit cars. There's no such thing. Um, the only kit car is the Night Industry 2000. Right. So, and he ends up like, oh, you know, I was just trying to be sincere. And she's like, I like your sincere more than your, 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 your sleazy manager thing. And immediately he pulls a fake neck injury and he needs a ride back home to his house. And she gets him home. And as he gets out of the car, he pulls a back, fake back injury. And this and that. He's like, maybe you should help me into my, my hot tub and everything. And Joe, I think he's going to have some wonderful, like, nookie at that point. But then we hear the gong. And we know what the <laughs> gong means. Mr. King, Mr. Kim shows up. And once again, M. Harry Smilax throwing out the, 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 the you know, the, the very racial friendly things that he's saying. And, you know, Japan and Korea or whatever. And that's when his guys flip the real Rolls Royce down the cliff, Joe. Oh, my goodness. And I was so worried because it's a real Rolls Royce. That's a real car that they use. Um, so, and they, you know, the car gets destroyed. And now Bitsy's mad at Smilak and wants him off the thing. But Brock Meister is going to, you know, changes her mind. And at this point, she's got a little dog. Bitsy's got a little dog that's probably snorted all the Spectrox because it's trying to bite people. That was on the on the, on the budget. Um, so at this point, Harry M. Harry Smilak goes to his the band that he managed. And at this point in the movie, I think they're called Kicks because I think it changes to just Kick later. I think it's Kick the whole time. Okay, I thought it was Kicks early on, but I could be wrong. Um, so he goes to see them in their garage and he tells them he's, you know, he's got them a gig and he ends up taking them to like, to, to the night with Norton is the name of the, is, uh, the name of the, 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 the benefit that they have. And the, the guy who plays Norton is fantastic is the, the shitty governor. Cause he just got all the cliche lines that a, that a shitty politician says, and you kind of just immediately get why you don't like him. So while he's there, he's, uh, M night, uh, M night. I keep saying M night. M, uh, Harry Smilak sees Candace again. He's like, Oh, tries to make it up to her, tries to talk to her. And she ends up going, all right, we'll, we'll go, we'll go leave this place. And he wants to get out of there because he has none of the people that he says are, are going to be there. So now kick comes out on stage and they're rocking out and people hate it. And the best part of it, right is after the scene's over and they're all calling uh, M. Harry Smilak's house and leaving messages on the machine that he's, you know, he's a terrible person is there's a newspaper on the table that says that Norton declares that the Ayatollah did all this, <laughs> which is fantastic. I was like, I forgot about the Ayatollah at this time. So uh, let's see, what do I have here? Um, so now at this point, M. Harry Smilak is dressing in drag. Oh, and I also want to mention that I mentioned Missy, the niece to Quick Rick Roberts. Yeah, who's almost his daughter. A, his daughter. No, it's his niece. Oh, his niece. Okay, not his daughter. He's taking care of her though. Yes. 
Um, but she's also an afterthought in this movie. Other than him trying to make it big in wrestling to take care of her, she is like a device in the movie. That's it. Um, so they're in the dressing room and she's giving him like his, his, as, uh, messages and all that stuff. And so they, they're like, he's like, Oh, I'm going to change. You go out to the ring and fight whoever. And that's when, uh, we find out that the, that the match has been changed and it's going to be the cannibals versus Tonka Tonka Tom and, and quick Rick. And they just come out with their chains on and they beat them up and it's illegal. And it sets back wrestling a thousand years, according to the announcer. (laughs) And to, you know, when certain wrestlers were, were wrestling back then, like uh, people will meet later. We're wrestling a thousand years ago. Sure. And Hammer is the standout. He's got the wide eyes. He's running around throwing, you know, clotheslines and wrapping people, hanging Piper up in the cha- in the in the ropes with the chain. And I'm like, oh, this is this is real wrestling right here, Joe. Where are these matches that you that you could have showed me during uh, Gallifrey Birds? Um, so now, you know who makes another appearance, Joe? Who's the that? Repo man. He steals the car again. <laughs> oh, while while uh, M. Harry Smiling is mis- visiting Quick Rick and Tonka Tom in the hospital. Um, oh, so I, they I, also get, um, during this attack, they, they get color, they get juice, they get busted yeah, open, right? Yeah, that was real blood. Right. So, and also yet another instance of Harry Smilak being picked up and just tossed with little to no repercussions. Like, he's in the next scene on crutches and uh, has the neck brace on. Oh, and you forgot about the scene before he goes to see uh, Quick Rick and Tonga Tom in the hospital. The scene with him and the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, well, that's just... <laughs> but good thing he was close to a hospital, Joe. Right. <sighs> but, so now they're in there and... and, and and the two guys are like, oh, it happens. We just got our butt kicked. Apparently, Rick's, uh, a.k.a. Piper's mouth is in traction for some reason. Right. Because he has a thing under his chin. It's not even real traction. But he's like, oh, we just got our butt kicks. It happens. And this is where M. Harry Smilak starts to grow a heart like the Grinch. Right. Because he's like, I don't want to, I think you, you don't need me, uh, because I don't want to see my guys get hurt. And he's starting to grow a heart. And, uh, so this is how we know a little time, almost an hour into the movie. Right. The character, character changing, motivations changing, development. This is where the movie gets, you know, we're starting to get to the meat of body slam, Joe. Right. So. This is because, like you said, he was on crutches and he had a bad neck again. He had bandage around his foot with no shoe on. This is where we know a little time has passed, Joe, because he's healing. And whoever went, whoever's doing the the wig and and beard work on on uh, Legends of Tomorrow must have worked as a young, you know, intern on this movie because we know time has passed because M. Harry Smilak has the shittiest goatee drawn on. Oh, my goodness. It's a real five o'clock shadow. How dare you? (laughs) No, this makes literally at least, at least the wigs in Legends of Tomorrow, no matter how shitty you think they are, are actually synthetic fake like hair like literally this is somebody just took a sharpie and drew it on and did a few dots to like do stubble 
and everything like that because it, it it's fine. It, it's it's absolutely you know amazing. So he so quick Rick says we need you. You're the only guy who's helping us out. If we go back, you know. Captain Lou is just going to bury us because we, we turned code on him and everything like that. So we, we need you and I need this to, you know, raise Missy or whatever. And once, like I said, this is like why she's in the movie. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. But now he comes up with an idea, Joe. He comes up, well, we'll, we'll do these tours because no big arena wants us. I'll take Kick and Tonka Tom and Quick Rick and take them around and you like do two different shows. And which is a bright idea. So, but they get a bus that says the hot licks of kick on the side and quick Rick and Tonka Tom and on the side and everything. But it's not as cool as the Bronco Billy van. That's all I'm going to say. That's where this. I just want to say this as well. Oh, okay. Okay. So continue, continue. I'm sorry. Not as cool as the Bronco Billy van or the Bronco Billy convertible with the pistol car handles. Neither one is as good. Either one is better than this. Than this right, episode. man, but they've been blackballed from the wrestling industry, man. They have to do it DIY style. They're punk rock. They're, they're on the indies, man. You know, this is what they're doing. This is what you're in. So now we, you know, that's what happens. Now we know we're really in an 80s movie, Joe. You know how? Mo- musical montage. Musical montage, and they're driving, they're making sandwiches on the buses, and they're laughing, and they're having a good time, kick, and the wrestlers are getting along, and M. Harry Smilax driving the bus in his, you know, in his, you know, fedora and everything, it's, it's great, I'm like, this is where it's at, but now they're at a show, Joe, and due to a clerical error, uh, or something, that they're, he's supposed to have two nights, one for kick, one for the wrestlers, and because there's a pig auction, right? Elmo what, mixed up because he has Elmo has a even though he may be a backwood bumpkin, Todd, he right? has a computer. Yes, and in 1986, was, computers don't make mistakes. No, they don't. So he's like, oh, you know, we need to. He needs to combine them, and that's where rock and wrestling comes in, Joe. An original idea, and again, that, with 20 minutes left in the movie. What the plot actually finally kicks in that he co- that he invents rock and wrestling. He's already going around with these two acts and mm-hmm. is double booking them one on one night. It's like no 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 kick. You're gonna come to town. You're gonna watch Quick Rick and Tonga Tom wrestle. Don't play. I'm not gonna get you a gig on this day. Your gigs tomorrow. Quick Rick Tonga Tom. No, no, no wrestling today. You guys just hang out and watch the music. Right. So, a genius idea. So, now, there's a whole thing where it's $1,000 if you can pin Quick Rick or Tonka Tom. And so, somebody decides to chime in, and it's Pee Wee Joe. And he's got a bow tie on, and he comes running out. He's this little guy, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's going to do it. And Quick Rick almost doesn't want to, but doesn't want to lose a thousand dollars. Well, no, he's, that's Little Will. No, that's Pee Wee. No, it's not. I thought Little Will was the fat guy. No, Pee Wee's the fat guy. Oh, I'm so confused. I got to watch that again. I'm pretty sure Pee Wee's the. Oh, thing. you know what? You're right. My apologies. I haven't flipped. The problem is uh, they don't have a uh, IMDb picture. For uh, Pete, for Little Will, don't you tell me, Joe. <laughs> I know this movie a little, pretty good now. Oh my goodness! Okay. 
So they end up pinning they, which is a cheat because Tonka Tom and uh, Quick Rick both pin Little Will at the same time, which I don't think is legal in wrestling. But well, anything's really legal in wrestling, no matter how much you want to do it. Right. But now, now, Joe, I want to say, but the the way they end up winning is through the power of rock and roll. Because the, the the organ was killing them by this old lady. Who, by the way, Joe, of all the acting that's in this fucking movie, Joe, <laughs> the old lady fake playing the organ behind a wall is my favorite acting. She's got the hands going up and down. <laughs> it's like, and she's playing the organ, and I'm like, oh, my God, give her the Oscar. Because it's fantastic. So now... Uh, this is, they win and, and it's a big thing. And Elmo is like, Oh, come back, but don't you come back on this night. But you, Oh, then he's like, you can't because that's artificial insemination night. And it's like, so this is where, you know, M. Harry Smilak realizes that this could be big. And you know, we get another montage, Joe, not one montage, but two montages in this. And they end up picking up an RV that they put a big wrestling sticker patooey on the side of a belt oh boy and i'm like oh my god and by the way the bronco billy van and car still cooler than that rv um so it's it's taken off we find out that he's got you know he's in rolling stone that this is the next big thing he's having missy write uh letters to candace because nobody will answer his phone calls um but it's not big enough yet joe he's got to get his guys the title that's what he, the top of the mountain, Joe, you got to get those straps as the kids call them, or it's not worth anything. Right. If you ain't because the champ, that, you ain't nothing in this business. Exactly. So that's what he's going to do. So uh, let's see, but it's not enough. So now he's got a plan, Joe. He's going to get Captain Lou to at his own game. So he's going to go back on ring talk and he's, he, he, we find out like you know, this is where we find out like most of Lou Lou's uh, motivation, where he's like, "This is all entertainment. This is sports and entertainment," which I think that's where the phrase came from at this time. Okay. And you don't want to mix them, so uh, it was going on. And he's gonna he's gonna irk them, and he's gonna like you know get them all riled up, and he gets them to agree to the match but not only just for the match it's a loser leaves the business match but also that he gets them to put the the titles on the line and i'm pretty sure you know once again mccluskey's here uh, billy barty and i'm pretty sure we're going to get through this without him calling anybody in uh, an english cigarette joe it doesn't happen it happens twice again and the second one is pretty funny, even though it's a terrible. Uh, it, the, the shot of him because they throw him out of the ring, and they just end the scene with him dropping that again. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me! You got. And I was just like, 1980, whatever, a P, PG-13. Did you say? PG. PG movie, and he just gets one off again before we transition to the next scene. Um, so I was I was shocked. He takes. Now, at this point, M- M- Harry Smilek has his whole deal ready to go, but now he's got to go see Candace. He takes her flowers, and in a Mexican accent that rivals even Lana's Russian accent, he manages to f- trick 
bitsy into letting Candace come to the door. And he talks to her and he's like, I'm sorry, I tried to contact you, but you know, your, 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 your maid wasn't letting me in and he drops a good joke in. I think she was trained by the Sandinistas. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. And then they have the weirdest elevator in their house I have ever seen. It's just apparently a TARDIS that goes up and down. Right, sure. You, you know the elevator that I'm talking about. I right? do. So he puts his purse on the line of the title match for the thing that he screwed up for his mo- her mother with the night for Nelson, which this is showing that he has heart. He's making uh, repercussions and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's growing. I'm starting to I'm starting to feel for him, you know, uh, for Mr. Smilak. And now it's the big night, Joe. It's the big night. And he pulls in and he's and he's looking and in pulls Lou, Captain Lou. And I love the, the show that he's a heel, Joe. He parks right in the handicapped spot, which might be of all the shitty gags in this movie. Might be my favorite gag of Lou Albano in a million dollar car that's not a kit car, just pulling into a handicap spot. So now, like, everything's going to go smoothly. But wait, I hear a gong, Joe. (laughs) So that must be Mr. Kim. Now, Mr. Kim shows up and he wants his money and all this stuff. And this is how I know that this car isn't a kit car, Joe. Because... He tells him off. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Go back to Japan with your sweet and sour uh, stuff. And he's like, that's Chinese. And once again, all racially sensitive stuff that that he's saying. And he's like, well, you're not going to destroy this car because I spent a lot of money on this car. And in the back of his uh, little brat truck are the two Samoans. And apparently a Jaws of Life for no apparent reason. (laughs) Right. Now, so okay, go ahead, go ahead. So they crank up the Jaws of Life as Smilak leaves. And the reason I know this isn't a kit car is because they show you how powerful the Jaws of Life are by cutting a pipe and not cutting up the car. And to, at the end of the movie, we never see them cut up the car. So if it was a kit car, they would have destroyed it. Now, see, here's my theory on this. Right. That's the same Rolls Royce that was from the previous scene, and they mm-hmm. got two different uses out of it. So you think they changed the body a little bit and then rolled it down the hill? Yes. I don't think so. I think they shot this movie in chronological order. (laughs) (laughs) So they wouldn't mess anything up. That's the way I think about it. Because that's how they shoot movies in chron. Well, documentaries, of course, are shot in chronological order, just like right, like uh, ready, right, like Ready to Rumble. All all wrestling movies are documentaries. So now it's the big match and it's Charles Nelson Riley and Billy Barty are going to commentate. And I have to say, at least Billy Barty gets through this scene without calling anybody an English cigarette. I was shocked. I was waiting at this point. I'm like, it's your trademark, brother. It's, his, it's the movie's catchphrase. <laughs> it is. It's Billy. It's Billy Barty's catchphrase. And I'm like, and he didn't use it. So I was like, okay. But now we know this is an all-star event, Joe, because the front row is just littered with talent. Joe. Luminaries in the world of uh, sports and entertainment. Yes. That's right. With such big names as Charlotte's grandfather. 
Oh. The Pickle Mogul. Clashy Freddy Vlasic. Oh, my goodness. A fake Iron Sheik. Sheik Adnan LKC, how dare you. A fake Iron Sheik. And finally, someone you might know from the heyday of wrestling by the name of Bruno Thamartino. (laughs) That name you know. (laughs) What? I said, that name you know. I know Bruno Thamartino. (laughs) (laughs) So now, Kick is in the ring, and they're playing. People are dancing. And that's when I noticed that, like Pee Wee Herman... The movie, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Right. I start to realize who's in the crowd. And it's all the people. It's Elmo. It's the Repo Man. It's like all the people he's met throughout the movie, like Governor Nelson. I, I, and I'm actually cracking up at this. Like how, like all these people are here and they're dancing and, I like the fact that uh, fake Iron Sheik and classy Freddie Vlasic just will not sell kick. They're like, bah, bleh, garbage. They're like, like waving it off. And Ric Flair's not even dancing. He's just clapping his hands badly to the beat. Bruno's dancing. Bruno San Martino's Br- dancing. Br- Bruno San Martino's out there moving like a slow black eye to the music. <laughs> And I'm cracking up at that. So I'm like, that's a big party. But then, Joe, then out come the cannibals and and Captain Lou. And they come out and they destroy the, the band's instruments in a total nuclear heat move, Joe. They bust up the fun and no more entertainment. So now they, you know, they, they have to go running out. The, the good guys come out. Uh, with their capes flowing and they get into the match and you know, it's back and forth and there's hot tags and all the stuff that you guys as wrestlers love. And in the end they win after I'll actually, uh, uh, M Harry smile kicks captain Lou in the, in the, in the ding dong and they win the match, getting the, the, the titles, making them legitimate, changing wrestling as we know it in a freeze frame and the biggest disappointment is I looked in the credits and the name of the repo man wasn't the name that I really thought it was. It turned out that the repo man in the movie was pay- played by Gray Daniels. And I don't think that's the real repo. Man. No, that's not Barry Darso, the real repo man. You're correct. So movie over credits roll. I needed time to, to digest the film as it was. You're not supposed um, to eat it. You're supposed to watch it, Todd. Well, you can't eat a digital copy, so. So overall, Todd, what did you think of this movie? Um, for an, uh, it was a it was a fun movie, right? Because of what it was, like I said, I liked uh, Dirk Benedict in it. I thought uh, the I thought it needed more scenes of 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 people high on cocaine, right? I mean, Spectrox, Spectrox. But all around, it was a fun movie. Uh, but I don't ever want to hear anything I pick again where you go, oh, this is a movie that looks like it was a shot like a TV movie because this one puts puts Bronco Billy to shame in that oh. way. It To shame. But I enjoyed it. It wasn't the worst hour and a half of my life. That's my review. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say this. Mm-hmm. While I have fond memories of this movie, and all of those fond memories came back, 
as a as a child watching this movie, again, I I would watch this movie regularly from the ages of like ten to twelve on when it was on HBO in heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. This movie's terrible, right? The acting is terrible. What the the way that, like I said before the they just it, it was like they just did not care about like anything in this movie. What people were in this film seemingly under duress. Poor this movie was. I felt bad for for every scene that Tanya Roberts was in. What she that this is the this is the the career maker right here. Uh, but I would recommend and I I I do highly uh, suggest everyone seek this film out and watch it for yourself. Uh, you know, you mentioned she was in Beastmaster. You forgot that she was in uh, was it Sheena, Queen of the Jungle? Yeah, she was also in Charlie's Angels for a season, I think. Oh, she was. I think she was one of the later ones after, oh. you know, <laughs> that it started to fall apart. I'm looking at her 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 IMDb. She was busy. She was. Right. She hasn't worked in a while, but that's okay. She's was worked she, she's worked enough. Was she was she on Charlie's Angels? Yes, yeah, she was Julie something or other. Oh, and she was also in a view James Bond a view to a kill, right. which has the second best Bond theme ever. Is View to a Kill the one where um Christopher Walken's the villain? Yes. Okay. And the song, the theme song is done by Duran Duran. Right. Uh so again, like I said before, this is a very flawed movie. A lot nope. of pro- a lot of problems with it. Nope. Okay. Um, the fact that when Kick does the governor's fundraiser, they're like a Kiss meets Poison high theatrics band with fireworks. Mm-hmm. And then once they're, I guess they blew their entire costuming and pyro budget on that one show. Cause after that, from everything on out, they're just like, I don't know, like a fake De- Depeche Mode cover band or something. I don't know. I think they're a wannabe Quiet Riot. Right. They they, are. They, they're lucky to be Quiet Riot. How dare you? <laughs> That's right. I ain't no loser and I ain't no weeper. <laughs> quiet Riot, man. Great, great band. But that was, I, I was like, I wasn't sure on that because the quality of the video that I had, and I was watching it on my big screen, which makes all the flaws pop. Oh, know, okay. And I was like, is this a Kiss band? And then when I saw them later and they played, I'm like, oh, no, I was mistaken. So when you you saying that, because at no point was I going back to watch anything. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. There was no rewinding of scenes. So, But I'm, again, at, at its core, it's no different than any other 80s-themed comedy from the era. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're talking about, like, your ski patrols or your police academies or your whatever's like that, it's more or less the same template. It just happens that this has wrestling in it and much worse production values. Oh, I don't know about that. I think this has all the highest. No, you're right. <laughs> but again, I give it a 10 out of 10, my highest recommendation. Yeah, there you go. Two great movies so far. Right. Anyway. Is there anything else we need to discuss with this? No, I want to get out. <laughs> All right. Uh, soon to be named 